Hayes, Alexander, Shabbat for three, bang, oh! will get it for the win. What's going on guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper Playoff Recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. <laughs> so, ladies and gents, I'm having some fun tonight because... The Lakers have just fallen in their quest to repeat. They will not be the defending champions like so many had picked before the season, like many Laker fans were talking about all season. Despite the injuries that they've had, people, you know, Laker fans, a lot of them, they're delusional. There's a lot of smart ones, but the majority of them, eh, I don't know about that. But around, it's let's go 50-50. I'm being generous, you Laker fans. I won't be that I won't be that harsh on you like you were on me last year when the Clippers lost. But I'm gonna say this. A lot of them, you know, thought that they would just be able to, oh, you know, once LeBron and Drummond and Anthony Davis get healthy, they're gonna be able to sweep through everybody. And here's the thing about injuries. I felt it in 2016 when Blake Griffin was injured for my Clippers. When he was injured twice in the same year, he came back and then he got re-injured. Is that when you have that your record, you are not better than your record, guys. It's fool's gold. Because that is reflective of the season that you had. If you're the seventh seed because you were injured, well, that means that you've had an injured season. And these guys, regardless of who they are, LeBron, Anthony Davis, look, LeBron's one of the greatest players of all time. He is not a freaking wizard So that's going to be able to just, you know, him and AD be injured and miss large chunks of the season. Their team drops to seventh place while a team like the Phoenix Suns has all the chemistry in the world and be able to win. And here's the thing. I did pick the Lakers to win the... Um, I wasn't so... Here's my thing. I did pick the Lakers to win the series because I still think if Anthony Davis was healthy, um, they probably... Something incredible. Jesus. They probably would have won. I still can't be so sure, though. The Suns played so well, so I can't even make those guarantees. It's all an if schmiff. But let's just say that they could have won if Anthony Davis was healthy. But at the same time, if you're a Suns fan, and Chris Paul is definitely not 100%, you know, you can make the argument the same way the other way. At the end of the day, it's always going to be a what if, so we're never going to know. But that being said, you know, the Lakers, after 2-1, like, when Anthony Davis got hurt in the halftime, around the halftime of Game 4, the entire momentum of the series flipped. And LeBron totally flipped. And we'll get into him in just a second. But I just think that there's some Laker fans out there that were so arrogant. They were already looking at the Lakers-Nets finals, you know, penciling them in. And they deserve this loss. They deserve this for their overconfidence and all the trash that they talk. And you know what? It's going to be a fun summer regardless if the Clippers win or lose for me. Because here's the thing. I'm used to the Clippers losing. I've, my Clippers have lost and not won the championship 16 years of or 15 years that I've been a fan. Probably going to be 16 after tomorrow. Maybe we win. I still don't know if we win this series. But championship seems like a far-fetched thing. Right? So, at the end of the day, it's going to be more bearable for me 
with the Lakers not winning. Just a simple fact. And here's the thing. I've watched now four Phoenix Suns and Lakers series, and don't worry, I'm, we're about to break down the game right now. But I watched four Lakers and Suns series in my life, 06, 07, 2010, and now this one. And I've never rooted for the Suns, never. But you know the deal. They had it coming after last year, so this is the first Laker team that has not repeated, as our man Poshman in the comments just pointed out. I didn't even think of that. The first Laker team that has not repeated since the 1986 Laker team. Maybe they just weren't built like that. Let's talk about the game, though, ladies and gents. So I figured with everything on the line, we'll see if Anthony Davis' status was going to dictate the game. And here's the thing, man. Anthony Davis tried. He got on the court. He gave it his best shot. And you can see he was limping. And he just couldn't do it. And I admire the fight. I have a classic phrase. It applies to me when I played sports growing up. And I just say it in general about these players at any level. If you're really hurt, don't play. Because you're not going to be a help to the team if you're really hurt. No matter how good you are. And if you are, no excuses. That applies to someone in this series, but not Anthony Davis. Because Anthony Davis doesn't get excuses for playing poorly in the beginning of the season. Let's be honest, guys. We've been doing recaps all season. This is our first uh, full season doing recaps. You Laker fans, thanks for being along for the ride. I want to appreciate I want to say thank you to guys in advance. I know I'm going to be clowning a lot for, uh, about this team this summer. Regardless of the Clippers win or lose, again, as I said, I'm used to the Clippers getting clowned. You can clown me back. It's all good. I'm, I'm used to it. But, you know, the Lakers did not repeat, and that's... For the, in terms of trash talk, that's good enough for me. Um, but I want to thank you guys, though, my, my loyal Laker fan base that listens to Dime Dropper comes every night and, you know, gives me respect because most of my subscribers and listeners are Laker fans. So I want to thank you guys. You know, I appreciate you guys for coming every night. But let's get back to it, right? You guys know that Anthony Davis was not playing his to his best this season. He was saving himself for the playoffs. And, you know... That was, the, that was the, you know, the motto of the whole season. AD is going to save himself for the playoffs. He's not going 100%. It would take a bad game for him to play well. You know, and then after he played well, he would have another bad game. And then he got the injury against Denver, and he was just, you know, he looked really good against Phoenix in that late regular season game. He was starting to look good, and he looked decent in game two and pretty good in game three, especially in that second half. Um, and then, of course, that in, the groin injury, a new injury happened. And I, the doctor, some of the doctors were saying, I saw on Twitter that he was overcompensating because of the knee. But, hey, Anthony Davis just had a tough season overall. He was injured. And in terms of where I rank him as players in the league right now, we're going to have to wait till the season ends to give you my updated top 10. But right now, after this season, with his injury history, I'd still put him in that top 10, but he is teetering right now. Because Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, these guys had really good seasons. And Devin Booker's season continues. And let's talk about the start to this game. So besides Anthony Davis' injury, right, the Suns came out firing. Jay Crowder, after he got clowned Game 3 by LeBron, he has come back with a vengeance in Games 4, 5, and 6. He made some huge shots on the weekend uh, in Game 4. And then in Game 5, we talked about it, he was lights out. And again today, he started lights out. Especially in the beginning of the game, he hit this right corner 3 over AD with a hand in his face. And I was like, oh my God, like they are hungry right now. Um, and then we, what about uh, Devin Booker? That was a Kobe-like performance tonight from him. Every time the Lakers made a push, every time it looked like they could maybe get a little 8-0 spurt or, or 10-2, to 2, 
he would make a tough shot to silence the crowd. And he scored from everywhere on the court. I'd have him over Beal. I'd have him over Zach Levine. Because the dude, the way he takes over games, the way he asserts himself now, these last two years, has totally changed. He can't be guarded. He scores from all over the court. You can't sag off and force him to try to go into the paint because he's got that mid-range pull-up. And you know what he was also doing tonight besides hitting contested threes, taking guys off the dribble, just taking what the defense gave him? He was getting in that post. There was one play in the first half. It was so Bean-esque. Mid, this is what I was saying, Kawhi. I'm going to get into the Clippers uh, after this game. But we're going to spend our sweet time with the Lakers because it's the last time we're going to be talking about them this season. Ha-ha. He went to the post, Devin Booker. And this is how you avoid double teams better. You get in that mid-post. They send the double from the top. He turned baseline over his right shoulder. High-arcing swish. And Devin Booker made a comment after the game. I know Bean was watching tonight. You, sir, made him proud. Devin Booker was the best player in a series in which LeBron James played every game. Devin Booker just played in his first playoff series. And Devin Booker played alongside a guy that was injured, that got more credit than him this season, all season long, talking about he was the MVP because of what he did in OKC. When in reality, and I've been saying it all year because the Suns were an initial dime dropper team. Chris Paul is the heart. Chris Paul is the leader, you can say. But that's D-Book's team. He's the one that's catching all the schemes. He's the one that teams try to make them not beat and do their best to stop. But I'm an, unfortunately, there was nobody on the Lakers that could stop Devin Booker all series long. He was making everything under the sun. And you've got to give it to him. Chris Paul, you know, and Mikhail Bridges was fantastic. DeAndre Ayton in his first playoff series was fantastic. But here's my problem. Let's get into the Lakers now, right? I said I thought LeBron was going to play well in Game 5 after he shat the bed in the second half of Game 4 and then tried to play well in the fourth quarter to make it look like, oh, let me look at my stat line when, I la when he lacked urgency when Game 3, you know. The Lakers had a chance in that Game 3 to make it to go up 3-1. You know, regardless of AD's injury, 3-1 looks different than a 2-2 going back to Phoenix. And all they needed was one vintage LeBron half. And he waited way too long by only shooting two shots in that third quarter of Game 4. And then in Game 5, we're like, you know what, how did he respond tonight? He didn't respond at all. He quit. And then tonight, he started the game the same exact way, if not with even less urgency than Game 5. He was just passing around. Again, we got facilitator mode. And this is why I don't put him in that great scoring category. Because where's the mindset of a... Everyone says, oh, he's in everything. You know, he's a pass-first guy, but he's in everything. Where was the every... Where was the scoring tonight? Kenny Smith's been saying it all series long. He says that we need scoring LeBron, especially when Anthony Davis is out. Isn't this common sense? This is the guy that we... Some people really think that this guy has the highest basketball IQ in history. In history. If you got the smartest basketball IQ, you got to go off. You got to carry the team like we've seen him do in the past. I understand he's injured partially. I understand. But the excuses go out the window. I watched Kobe play with broken fingers. Kevin McHale played with a broken foot in the finals. You know what I'm saying? Kawhi's knee is messed up. 
You know, LeBron, he's jumping over Mikhail Bridges' neck in Game 4 off the glass. He's getting to the rim on certain possessions. He's capable of doing it. So miss me with the excuses, the body language, the leadership, the decisions. If you can't get to the rim, shoot threes, do something. You can't trust Dennis Schroeder. You can't trust Kyle Kuzma anymore. This is your season on the line. you got to take 25 shots. Let's see how many shots he took. 26? Okay, he did take 26 shots at the end. 10 threes. I mean, he probably should have taken 30. The problem is this. He chooses to take them late in the game when they're already down. That's why, this is why I say you got to watch the fucking games. Go back and watch all the games in his career in the playoffs. This man, he finds a way to master the statistical, uh, the statistical game. You see it with Wilt Chamberlain. Go watch that game seven in 1970 against the Knicks. You see Wilt Chamberlain played terrible, but the stats, he had 24 and 21. Efficient field goal. That looks great. He played like trash. Go watch the game. LeBron gets away with it. He finds ways to score when the game is decided, basically. You're getting outscored by 22 points in the first quarter. You're not getting off. Like, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I hate to do this, but I don't hate to do this. Because I'm sick of the disrespect. Here's why I'm here. You want to tell me? Let's stop right here. This is why I get so such such satisfaction out of tonight. I'm not here to talk about the Clippers and the Lakers. I am here to try to open people's minds and go against the media and show you about the greats of the game and how history in the NBA is disrespected more than any other sport. And I will tell you this now. I know the old heads try to go back and, you know, you know they exaggerate and it causes this generational war. But I'm going to keep it 100 with you because I'm watching every game in today's era. So I can tell you, this is my era. I can tell you this right now. I watched Kobe for so long, I've never seen him give up in multiple games in a playoff series in my entire life. He can chuck. He will miss. He will make mistakes. But I've never, ever seen him and you know like that. Do you, I, and I, I will be, I remember, I'm still this summer going to go watch the other games. But I would be shocked to see Larry Bird ever do some shit like that. Or Michael Jordan ever do some shit like that. Where's the urgency, man? Where's the urgency? And you know what was exposed more than anything in this series? You know what was exposed more than anything? His lack of scoring skill. Because the only thing I will give you, if you want to talk about the injuries, if you want to talk about the injuries, is this, the high ankle sprain. He couldn't get to the rim as much. And when LeBron can't get to the rim as much, it is a huge part of his game that is taken away. And here's the thing. He can still get his threes off, but when they know this, they're going to try to force him to the rim and force him into a crowded paint. Well, it's not really a crowded paint, but DeAndre Ayton did a good job of packing it, and they did a good job of packing it because the Lakers don't have shooters. That's the thing. The Lakers don't have the shooters, so they're going to go load up on Braun all day long, and that's when you know his fans will say, look, He's going to drive into two guys. He's going to get a good shot. Here's the problem. Good shots are not half open threes for these Laker players. Because these Laker players have not been good three-point shooters the whole season. So it's not a good shot. A good shot would be if you had a real mid-range coming off the screen. And he's got to be able to pull that. And he doesn't. and or, or get in the mid post like he did in Miami. So, by the way, for those asking about the Clippers, guys, I was at the game last night. What do you want from me? I'll, I have a video of Kawhi's airball. I will post it.
I'll post the actual video of me in the game. I Don't worry. I'll have the content. But let's get back. He didn't have a mid-range, man. So that in-between game, that we, look, we saw him go to some turnarounds over the right shoulder this season. And he didn't go to any of that in the playoffs. Taking so long to make his move. Like, first half, he was just passing around way too much. Still got his 14 points. When, like, no, it was so weak. So, just not. And off the ball, he doesn't move at all. I think tonight was a game where everything you can say that, like, every flaw in LeBron came out tonight. Like, everything that you can pinpoint of why I think that some people put him too high all the time. Not some people, a ton of people, especially in this era. But I'm too high all the time. Think too highly of him is because of all the things you saw tonight. He doesn't move without the ball. Only in Miami, he maybe moved a little more. He's stagnant as shit. Um, uh, he gets discouraged uh, after, after ever since he left Cleveland the first time. Ever when his teammates aren't giving him help, he 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 gets discouraged. He gets discouraged. Like at the end of the day, you know, you can say 2018 he went god mode in the playoffs. I give him that. But for the most part, after that, he's had some good assistance. And other, every single time I've seen him without that good assistance, he, he folds. And and just, just you know, and let's talk, talk about his defense in the first quarter. Like, nobody was on the same page. We saw the Lakers go in zone. The Lakers started going with a 3-2 zone with LeBron at the top. I'd never seen that. Like, that was like panic mode. It's like, what the hell is going on? They can't guard? Like, it was unbelievable. It was so funny, but yeah. It was pretty much give up mode, and by the by the half, and look, Dennis Schroeder wasn't playing well. I mean, KCP was playing like a bonehead in the first half. It wasn't just LeBron. I mean, it just all went to shit. And you got to give the Suns credit because they were just absolutely killing it. I mean, mostly Devin Booker. It was really the Devin Booker show. Let's talk about the second half, though, man. I thought the second half was better. I thought the Lakers' energy level was way up, you know, in the second half. And they came out, and it starts with Dennis Schroeder. And Wes Matthews. But I also think LeBron in the second half was was sharper. I thought that he looked a little bit more alert off the ball. Like he was ready to jump the passing lanes and be quicker on those rotations. And uh, I think he got one strip or forced a jump ball. And I think that like he started looking a little bit a little bit better. But Dennis Schroeder, I thought he really, he really, really, really played hard in that second half. And Wes Matthews. And I think that if you're a Laker fan, you gotta at least be happy with them that they tried and you know, I think LeBron, and then in the second half, you, especially that third quarter, you started to see LeBron get him more aggressive, started to see him go to the rim. It happened with more of that small ball lineup when the Lakers took out Gasol and put in Markeith Morris at the five. And I thought that Keith took some really just quick and rushed threes when the Lakers could have honestly really, really got back in the game because they tried to make a run. I mean, they were down big. But the Lakers outscored the Suns 35-27 in the third. They got it down to 11. Uh, I think they may have gotten it down to nine, actually. Um, but yeah. Wes Matthews was just was great in, in the in the second half. 12 points, 4 of 12, 2 of 6 from 3 on the night to go along with 6 rebounds. And, yeah, Markeith Morris, 1 of 4. Uh, KCP actually honestly started playing well in that second half too. 7 of 11, 3 of 6. But I thought, I thought LeBron in the second half, in the third quarter at least, he played better. He started getting to the rim more. But that showed me though... That he could have done that in the beginning. He could have been more aggressive than he was. Like, just so many wasted possessions. Like, Pro needed to shoot 30-plus shots tonight. Like, mind-boggling to me. Mind-boggling that he didn't come out aggressive again. Again. 
And yeah, he didn't get like two calls. Like, and you know what I'm saying? Like he went to the rim. One of them, one of them, <laughs> one of them, he got to the rim in the third quarter. He missed a layup, point blank layup, because he went up underhanded. And then he got the rebound. And then Jay Crowder stuffed his shit. Stuffed his shit. Jay Crowder ended up getting the last laugh, which is hilarious. And yeah, I mean, he got like, and I will, I will say this though. The refs were a little harsh with the Lakers tonight, which is surprising. I thought they were going to go Adam Silver, Vintage, try to force a game seven. But um, the refs gave, like that te technical foul that was called uh, against Taylor Horton Tucker was so BS, man. That was the softest shit ever. And honestly, this, I think the refs really hurt the Lakers in a way. Like at times they could have gone maybe back to seven points, six points. And the refs kind of stopped momentum a lot. And I will say this, though. Chris Paul, he made some timely shots, and he just made sure that the sun stayed even keel. Cameron Payne was missing his layups today, and CB3 in the second half was just so smart about the way he controlled tempo, and he made some big shots in that mid-range. That's the thing. LeBron not going to that mid-range. It was non-existent, and that hurts when people build walls. How do you beat loading up in walls? Mid-range. But the casual modern Gen Z bot won't tell you that. They don't know it because they haven't watched other eras of basketball. But anyway... So yeah, LeBron's doing okay. You know, I'm making. You know, he's gonna make sure he gets his numbers. Um, making a little push there, uh, which I like. Look, I'll look. I'll give him some credit in the second half for effort. But you can't start out too late. It makes you wonder as a Laker fan, why didn't you start out the game with that energy? The whole team, not just Bron, the whole team. But it starts on the top. I always say that on this show. I always say that on this show. And he did not lead by example at all. And then, and here's the funniest part. He was trying, I, I, one thing I did like though in the third quarter was, you know what the change in LeBron's game besides him trying to go to the rim more? He started trying to play off the ball more as the screener, trying to get into the mid post. These are smarter ways to play, not just standing at the top and dribbling like that and wasting so much time off the shot clock, which again, kills rhythm. And he's been doing it his whole career, but casuals won't see it. And I didn't see it as a kid until I got older and started learning more about the game that Moving the ball is important, and moving without the ball is important. And when he started getting to that mid post, it started getting better. I liked how he was fighting for Jay Crowder, fighting with Jay Crowder for position. There was one time where he was yelling at Kuz to throw the ball. And here's the thing again, with the energy being uh, exerted, look, I mean, LeBron said himself, I don't get tired, I don't get tired. Look, he's human. I get it. But look, you want you want some historical context? You can't play. See, this, you can't you can't mess around with me with the historical context. Bill Russell used to play forty eight and Wilt would play like forty eight minute games in chucks with none of these massage and masseuses and the, the, the cryogenic and all that in the sixties. Forty eight minutes in the playoffs, consecutive games. These are the goats of the game. So I'm not saying that LeBron got to do that, but I'm just saying like, bro, no, go in the post. This is do or die here. And here's the thing. That's why I say it's okay that he asked to come out of the game. You know what I'm saying? It's totally okay because he was playing harder in that second half. That's fine. But don't. that's why you don't say, I don't get tired. I don't get tired. Like, you sound like a clown, bro. You sound like a clown. That's why it's fun watching you lose. And I used to love watching LeBron win. I used to hate watching him lose. I cried during the 2011 finals. That was my guy. But, you know, times change. Things change. He changes. I change. And you look at it now and it's like, man, that was really what I was supporting. Because here's the thing. This is when you see the ultimate terribleness here. Fourth quarter, man. Book makes some big shots. Suns close the deal. LeBron gets to the rim. They miss a foul call on him. Probably didn't. He probably got fouled. Doesn't get back. He wants to just talk to the ref. 
He's not on the screen for like five to ten seconds. And he's like not even playing defense, just walking around as Jay Crowder makes a three. And then he goes up, scores, still complaining about the foul. And then Jay Crowder gets a wide open three and misses. Or um, But still, just, just seeing the body language, just seeing him walk around like that, just quitting, just, just giving up. For and this is not. Hey, you want you want to talk about this? Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. Around that many quit jobs he's had in his career, starting from 2010 against the Celtics in Game Five, 2011, uh, 2018 Game Four, maybe overtime of that same Finals. I mean, at times 2014 against the Heat. 2019 regular season games with the Lakers after he activated playoff mode. I mean, we can go on and on. And we got a couple in this series. But good riddance, buddy. And here's the here's who gets to celebrate tonight. The Michael Jordan fans. And I'm not one of them. The stands. Because that first round bullshit argument that y'all use about he never lost in the first round. Well, yeah, guess what? There is no round LeBron is not lost in anymore. And here's the thing. You never offer context with Michael Jordan's losses in the first round against those incredible Celtics teams. And he was a lower seed every time. So we're not going to offer context here in that debate. And it's not a debate. Because anybody that's seen Jordan play can see it. And now that I've seen Jordan play, I believe it, guys. I was a sheep to the media. I was a sheep. It's easy to get caught up in what's happening now. And if you want to look at it in a piece of paper without any context, without analyzing the game, without caring about heart, effort, leadership, all these things that matter in basketball, to anybody that's played, well, that's on you. And I'm not saying that every NBA player agrees with me. Not every NBA player agrees with me. But that's how I feel. Anyway, I think we got to give the Suns some credit, though. Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges, Monty Williams, the whole nine yards, they all played so well. And the Lakers, man, it was an unlucky season starting from the injury. They could have easily come up with this championship, honestly, if they were healthy. But in hindsight, man, um, in hindsight, man. And by the way, actually, since, since you're going to say it in the chat, no. Let me tell you this right now to people in the chat. This LeBron Jordan debate has been fabricated before he was even in the league. Go watch the 2003 NBA draft and go look at their fact that they're comparing him to Michael Jordan. Why? Because Jordan retired five years earlier, promoted Shaq for a little bit, and they knew the downfall was coming. Who was going to be the next face of the NBA? LeBron James. And he exceeded all expectations that were put forth in front of him. And you got to give him a ton of credit for that because he had the most expectations of any player that's ever played coming into the league. My problem is this. He is just a different player than Jordan. And he's and look, the reason why they pushed that debate with just those two and no one else is not because they're the two best players ever. Because that's a trash, that, that's just nonsense. Because they've been doing it since what? 2016 when he had three rings. What's the one, what, are, what do they have in common? What do they have in common? That they were the face of the NBA that the, the media has pushed in front of your faces all the time. Bill Russell, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, uh, Will Chamberlain, Tim Duncan. All these people have arguments over bro. And honestly, some of those guys have arguments over Jordan too. If LeBron has an argument, then all those guys do too. Because again, it all comes down to your criteria. And they don't want you to think this complex because it, it goes away from 
It goes away from their goal. Their goal is to shorten your attention span to think LeBron Jordan, LeBron Jordan, that you have a chance to actually be watching the greatest ever because why wouldn't they sell you on that? When in actuality, I mean, those who know, know. And I'm not saying Jordan's the GOAT, but I know he's better than him for a fact because skill, talent, I mean, heart, determination, defense, the whole nine yards. Pass, YQ, everything. Anyway. So look, you can have, I'm not saying it's wrong to have LeBron James as your second best player of all time. And I'm not even saying it's totally wrong to have him first. I disagree. But to think this this Jordan-LeBron one and two garbage, Kareem has six rings and the most points ever in 20 years played, and we're just discounting him because what? Because he has one less finals MVP than LeBron? Fuck that. Are you kidding? I mean, anyway. So let's, let's finish with that. Uh, Laker fans, guys, I think still the LeBron will be back. I think he's going to get a summer to rehab. I think the Lakers will finally get a nice offseason here. And I think that they'll be back next season. And look, let recruit, let GM is going to go get some more help, I bet, if the Nets win the championship, which I hope doesn't happen. And I'm so fucking happy we're not going to have Nets-Lakers like all these fools were penciling in. It's going to be an amazing playoffs, amazing finals. Nope. And that would have been like, it's like the election. You know, you just vote for whoever you want to, whoever you want to see win less. Yeah, or who else? Who would be easier to see win? Anyway. Um, yeah, Laker fans, I think it'll be okay next season. Even if, 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 the, if someone else was the title, maybe you just sharpen up the role players alongside LeBron and AD, but don't get, don't get me... Um, you know, don't be surprised if they go out and try to get some more help. For the help. Anyway. Let's talk about the Clippers real quick. I rewatched the game. I went to the game last night. It was very good atmosphere compared to the other two. And man, our defensive focus again to start the game in game every home game. So all over the place. So all over the place. Again, in the beginning of the game, they hunted out Reggie Jackson. Hunted out Reggie Jackson. And we keep giving it to him, whether it was in transition. I recorded some plays. I posted on my Twitter. If you're on my Twitter, go check out my thread um, about the game last night. <coughs> there were a couple times where they were just coming up the court, and they were just walking it up. Luca was just walking it up. And we had time to, you know, get our good defenders on Luca. But Reggie wants to pick him up like he's Tony Allen in half court. And we're, we're switching easily, letting Reggie go on him. And when Reggie's on him, we're either doubling or Luca's getting what he wants, shooting over a chair. Whatever happened to every possession counts? You know what I'm saying? Whatever happened to that? These guys are just... And on both ends of the floor. You know, just letting Luca get Reggie Jackson after we've seen it all series long and how, how bad it is? That can't happen, man. Unless you want to lose. Unless you want to lose. If you want to lose, that's fine. That's inexcusable, man. You got to make him go at Paul George, at Kawhi, or Batum, or Senior, or Terrence. Even Rondo's done a decent job. But not Reggie, and not Zoo. And our offense, they went zone. So that was a different look that they threw at us to try to keep us out of the paint, because we've been killing it in the paint. And we have not been shooting this, you know, best three-point shooting team in history, which I told you guys all season that means nothing for the playoffs because I know how we tend to choke, and I know how I'm always telling y'all that the, the three-point shot, um, terrible change to basketball, this emphasis on the three-point shot because 
It's smart in some ways, but they take it too far. They don't know when to quit, and it eliminates you when it really counts. And um, the Clippers, yeah, we got a lot of open threes. We got to make them. And we were pretty good in the beginning with them. Reggie, Paul, George, and Senior uh, especially. But here's the thing about that zone. Kawhi went into facilitator mode. And here's one thing I've noticed about Kawhi since we've had him for two years. He's like LeBron in a way. When he's not getting in rhythm in his shots in the beginning... He's not about to just take over a game late. He needs to be in rhythm and a flow. He's not like Bean or Dirk Nowitzki who will be like 3 for 11 and then all of a sudden just take over in the fourth. Kawhi needs to be getting going or else in the fourth he just keeps bricking and he doesn't know if he has his legs underneath him. And that's kind of what ended up happening last night. He was moving the ball. He was making the right plays, but I thought a couple times he could have attacked quicker on the double. Like Again, I've talked about this with Randall and various guys, LeBron, Kawhi even, that get, when they get doubled and teams are going to send that help, you got to go to the mid post more and you got to be quick. When you get the ball, you know the double's coming. You got to go when you got one guy on you quick. And, you know, or get in the post and turn over either shoulder and be aggressive in your, uh, the way you get positioning off the ball. But, you know, they were going with a more old-fashioned, old-school zone, a real zone for a large portion of the game, a 2-3 for the most part. And... I think that we got to go with Kawhi instead of at the top facilitating Kawhi in the high post because Kawhi in the high post, when he can turn, he's a mid-range threat so he can pull the defense out to the foul line. Guys like Bobot or Dwight Powell have to come out there and he can, you know, still pass the ball as well. So I think Kawhi, that's an adjustment if they go zone next game. We got to look to get Kawhi going early because I think that hurt us. But anyway, Luka dominated in that first quarter. He has 17 points in that first quarter and most of them, we're on those Reggie uh, switches. Oh, by the way, I, hold on. I'll get to the Lakers stats. After I finish the Clipper game, I'm going to say the stats. I apologize, guys, for not going over the stats. Um, let's talk about... Uh, okay, so yeah. It wasn't a very good first quarter for the Clips, but we started playing better to end it. Uh, our small ball lineup. We still went with a small ball lineup. They started with Boban. And to be honest, I don't think it killed us much. I think they scored one time off of it over a jump hook over Paul George. But... Second quarter, I liked how Kawhi played that quarter. I thought he worked quicker off the catch. I thought we got more stops and started putting, you know, Kawhi when he's, I, so I counted, right? I tried to count. 17 possessions by my count. It may be a number or two off. But 17 possessions of Kawhi guarding Luka, whether Kawhi let somebody switch onto him or whether he was switched onto him. And I'm still giving him the, the benefit of counting it if he let someone switch because he's making that judgment call letting him switch and talking on that screen. 17 times, guys, Lucas scored four points on 17 possessions. So clearly, when Kawhi guards him, it's totally different. Kawhi needs to step the fuck up. And I don't care about, and this coaching staff needs to step the fuck up. I don't care about these lame excuses. He's going to get tired. Okay, he's not built for it then. He's not built for it then because the greats of the past, again, have done this. And you can, and here, don't give me this. Here comes the Gen Z bots. It's a faster-paced era. You know what the 80s was? You know what the 60s was? You know what the 70s was? That's only 90s and the 2000s you're talking about. And there was more physicality. Let me, let me just remind you. So we don't need to switch that easily every time. And I'm not asking for Kawhi to guard him every possession, but he's got to guard him more. No Reggie, okay? That has to end. And here's my thing. Paul George, man, I can't even criticize him. Like, he's been really solid. He's been really solid. And at the half, we were... We were in it. We were right in it. Only down by two. But this is where we lost the game, in my opinion. 
we were up by five. Reggie Jackson was making every three. Marcus Morris Sr. was starting to hit threes. We were still playing against that zone. Starting to get more stops. And again, a couple times, we, especially Nick Batum, helped unnecessarily and left a shooter open. And what's been our whole game plan in Dallas was let Luka get his. Just make it tough for him. Don't cheat off a of THJ, Tamar Way Jr., or Maxi Kleba, or Dorian Finney-Smith. And Nick Batum is getting sucked in by Luka before he even makes his move sometimes. And it's just terrible. It's just low IQ stuff. Anyway. Um, so yeah, and here's the stretch that went bad. PG got his third foul. It was a total bullshit call. And by the way, in the first half, the officials were trying so hard to let the Mavs win. Because there was one call where Kawhi got mauled by Willie Cauley-Stein, clearly just raked across the arm on the baseline. It was clear as day. And they didn't call. I could not believe it. Again, suspect officiating against the Clippers in the playoffs. Not the first time I've seen that. But anyway, yeah, they don't give Kawhi superstar calls too. It's ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous. Um, but look, Luca got a ghost foul on Paul George. Got his third foul. Was ghost went on that. It was a pump fake up and under. He went for the blocks. I don't think he made any contact with him at all. And then the fourth foul was an offensive foul on a stiff arm. That looked like it. That was an offensive foul. I'll give it to you. But um, yeah, that was that was just terrible. And that, that kind of hurt a little bit because we had to take him out a little bit earlier than we expected. And Rondo and Kawhi, they've been great all playoffs so far. But they picked their first game. They've picked the worst game to be bad because they were both poor, especially in that stretch. They turned the ball over multiple times. Kawhi had a turnover where he, he just thought he was Michael Jordan. He got the ball in the corner and just grabbed it with one big-ass hand, and it slipped out of his hands, and he lost it out of bounds. Just careless. Just can't happen. If you're gonna if you're gonna do that, just grab the ball with two hands. And then there was one where he was gonna take Porzingis downhill, and then he tried to spin, you know, he tried to go left to try to square himself up at that mid-range. Finney Smith came from behind. He didn't see Terrence Mann open at the top. He didn't look in the corner when Dwight Powell was sagging off of him, and he lost the ball. And Rondo took an, a three and he airballed it with 13 on the shot clock against the momentum. And Kawhi, again, when the pressure was on and the other team was on a run. He couldn't make the shots. He couldn't break the spurt or the drought. And those are the shots that Devin Booker was making tonight. You know, they were in the lead, but the point is momentum against you, and you got to make the shot, a tough shot, to end a run. And Kawhi, again, similar to last playoffs, he had a very good playoff for the most part, but in a game that we needed him, he did not play well enough. And that third quarter was huge. We got outscored, let me look at the numbers, 33-21. to 21. And let's get to the fourth quarter. We played great, and it was mostly because of Terrence Mann and Paul George. They really picked it up, and our defense on Luka was better. That small ball lineup, you know, Nick Batum did a good job in those one-on-one situations. And, you know, we forced Luka into some tough looks. But, you know, and Paul George started going to the basket. Paul George, again, I really don't have much to say negatively about him. He did turn the ball over, though, three times in the fourth. He needs to be, he cannot be doing that anymore because we're not going to win this series making those crucial turnovers. But at the same time, I was very happy just with his performance. Just overall in this playoffs, he's really answered the critics. It's really Kawhi that really let me down. He still couldn't make a shot in the fourth. And, you know, Rondo was making some better passes in the fourth. But he just had a tough night shooting the ball and just a tough night in general. And Terrence, man, he really fought hard. 
And, you know, Nick Batum, senior, they're all right. But I thought Paul George really carried the, carried the charge in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, we started getting close, real close. But careless defending, Nick Batum was sagging off of Porzingis before Luka had even made his mood move. And the Mavs went up by 10 when Porzingis made that corner three. And Tim Hardaway Jr. made a big three to put him up seven as well. But we still answered that run. You know, a Reggie Jackson three, a Marcus Morris Sr. three. The crowd was getting hyped. You'll see the video when it comes out tomorrow. Kawhi Leonard and one. And then we get the stop, the steal. Terrence Mann with the steal. We don't call a timeout. We try to get the defense, catch, caught, catch him off guard. Terrence goes to the rim. One thing I love about Terrence, he always goes up strong. And what did he not do? Didn't go up strong. He got scared of the moment. Passed it to cutting Batum. Batum missed a chippy. Mind you, he missed a, basically a wide open layup in the first quarter too. Which, and again, small margins. It was disbelief. It was disbelief. The moment got to him. And I can't get mad at Terrence. Because he plays his heart out. He made a mistake. He's young. He hasn't been in many crunch time situations this year. It's tough to see that. I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at the next time we got the ball, after Tim Hardaway makes both free throws, down by three, we get it to a guy that has not made a, a, a three really in the game except for in the first half. He's having a terrible shooting night. We have Paul George, Marcus Morris Sr., and Reggie Jackson out there. We give it to him in the corner. It's The shot is not there. He has Rondo that he can pass the ball to, and he takes a contested three in the corner thinking he's Kobe. Airballs that shit disappointing, disgraceful, embarrassing, and Rondo had the right to yell at him. Terrible. By Kawhi. He choked. And he has nobody to blame but himself for that loss. I know there was some BS in the first quarter. So here's what I have to say going forward. Terrence Mann needs to play a little more. Why not throw Boogie out there? Why not? Over Zoo. I think he can do what Zoo can do, maybe a little bit better offensively. Um, Kawhi needs to be in scores mode to start the game because we only play the best when Kawhi plays like the best um, player on the court. So he needs to be in attack mode. Paul George is good. We just got to clean up the turnovers late game. I think Kawhi had four turnovers in the second half. Paul George had three in the fourth quarter alone. That's not going to get it done. Rondo's going to be better. I trust he's going to be better. I trust he won't go out without a fight. But we put ourselves in such a terrible position, and it's because of our complacency on defense with Luka getting all those switches. It's our complacency with Nick Batum, second off shooters. It's our complacency with Zubats not getting uh, uh, rebounds. Dwight Powell got two offensive rebounds over him that resulted in points. We One of them just wanted it more, outworked him, got him over the top, and Tim Hardaway Jr. made a three, and... We're, we're letting Luka beat us in ways, in a lot of ways. When he makes those tough shots over Paul George, that's fine. But gifting him points with Reggie on him? No. Terrible. Disgraceful. And we have not started out games with the right energy at all. And here's the thing. You smug motherfuckers. You better win tomorrow. You better. It has nothing to do with the Lakers either. You wanted to avoid them. I don't know. If, I can't prove it that you wanted to avoid them. But regardless, you didn't prioritize the three seed. At all. 
You didn't care. You said, let's wait till we get healthy. We're going to go up against a hungry lion in Luka, who we just beat last season. That's the only team he's ever lost to in the playoffs. He's only lost one time in the playoffs. And they had us on our minds all offseason long. That's why they beat us by 50 points. And you willingly played them instead of the Blazers. Or the Lakers, even. That you were, or, or scared to play or whatnot. You smug motherfuckers. You better win tomorrow. And we better not regress while Glenn Rivers is going to the second round, while Lou Williams is going to the second round. I hope they're thinking of these things, but, you know, they're probably just going to play another game. They better win and force a game seven that I will be at on Sunday. Or else, the rant may be on the level of last year, just because of their smug attitudes. Hey, guys. I want to appreciate the Laker fans uh, and everybody for tuning into the lives. If you're a Laker fan this season, this may be the last time you listen to me. I hope it's not, but if it is, thanks for joining me. You can follow me on all social media platforms. I'm going to troll about the Lakers this whole offseason, but mostly about LeBron because it's amazing that he lost. It's so great. Um, and that's because he's so unbearable when he wins. Um, and the timeline will continue this summer. But anyway, let's go to the live subscribers. 80 of them waiting so patiently at 1 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. I got the best fans in the world, man. The best listeners in the world. Peace.